so this topic tonight, what, what it kind of was sparked from, um, and it's something that I have been wanting to talk about for a long time. And how many of you have ever heard at church or a preacher say this or speak this from the pulpit and they say, how many of you know uh, we're all sinners, um, I sin, you sin, we all sin every day. How many of you have ever heard a minister say that? And then of course the crowd responds, amen, amen. People just amen literally everything. And so, like, sometimes I think like it's such a default reaction that we don't even fully listen to what the preacher said. We're just like, amen. And it's like, as a preacher, I always appreciate the support. But at the same time, um, you know, sometimes you gotta <laughs> be careful what we're what we're agreeing with. And so I've heard preachers say that, um, yeah, you know, we all sin every day. Um, you know, I, I sin all the time. You know, or God forgives our, our our past, present, and future sin. And 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 you hear this kind of rhetoric. And I want to show you from the Bible: is that an accurate thing? Because we're talking about. Um, it does tea, it does. Um, so, so that's why it's like a lot of times, um, I like when people say, yes, yes, you know, like keep say it preacher, you know what I mean? Because that's like more of an agreement thing. Um, and so, uh, I want to explain to you from the Bible, is that an accurate thing? Because I, what I'm talking about here is born again Christian. Is it accurate for a born again Christian to say I'm a sinner. Is it accurate to say that? And did you know that whenever we do the, the prayer, the salvation prayer um, on, on a, a Sunday morning, I never repeat the line that says I'm a sinner. I don't repeat it. I, I, like I know it, it, the church likes to repeat the prayer to help support the people who are um, actually praying it, who are getting saved. But I don't like to say that of myself uh, in a prayer. Because I, anyways, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to give away the answer. See, you almost, you almost had me give away the answer. Um, and I want to show you this tweet that I saw, or this this X that I saw. See, it doesn't even make sense. Just about an hour ago, from a very respected, um, a very respected man of God, uh, Brother Tiff Shuttlesworth. And I'll read it to you because if if you're listening later on the podcast, you won't be able to see it. And some of it's blocked out, so I hope that I I read it uh, properly. If you are a Christian, you may sin, but but it's impossible to continue living in sin. When Christ lives in you, you feel conviction for sin, you feel miserable, and you no longer have peace. Those who live in sin without a desire to turn from sin may be religious, but they are not a true Christian. First John 5.18, everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. And that's pretty much, First John 5.18 is actually... Um, one of one of the um, one of the scriptures that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, no, <laughs> no, Steph, you don't have the answer now. Um, you got to stay on. That's the rule. Um, so let me go to. But we're going to start tonight. I'm I'm not going to start fully with 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 this concept. Um, I'm going to start tonight in in the book of John. So it's the same. Um, the same author, the same, the same writer, John. Um, yeah, the same, the same writer who's John. And 
Um, actually, let me read First uh, John five eighteen just to start it. Um, so it says, "All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death." Verse seventeen, verse eighteen. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. Isn't it interesting? We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. So, and I'm sorry if you're if you're a minister or a preacher who has ever said at some point from the pulpit, you know, how many know we're all sinners? I sin every day. You sin every day. I, I'm sorry, but I have to not so respectfully. Um, oh, yeah. Good, good idea. Not so uh, respectfully disagree because the Bible actually has a different. Uh, um, outlook to that so and I'm gonna like I said I'm gonna start in the book of John I was gonna say regular John but I guess it is regular John it's not it's <laughs> for a second or third um, regular John chapter 14 and verse 23 regular John 14 verse 23 Jesus replied if anyone loves me he will obey my teaching my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus is saying basically that because of our obedience to God's word, we receive the manifestation of Christ. We become his property. The Holy Spirit then dwells within us. So right there off the bat, you understand in verse 26 talks about the Holy Spirit, a comforter or an advocate. It means one who is called to the side of another for help or counsel. So if the spirit is our helper on the earth and he dwells in us, then there is a contradiction, therefore, in terms of saying that I'm, I'm sinning all the time. If you're sinning all the time and you have the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of you, something doesn't mix. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Because it's important to note and important to keep in mind that this is a spiritual thing. The ability, because, um, you know, we're not perfect. I might be close, but we're not perfect. But we are being perfected. Jesus said, be holy, therefore, as I am holy. So holiness and sinfulness are in contradiction to each other. If the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, it's like automatic. There's a manifestation of Christ there. There's a strengthening of, he's our helper, our comforter, our advocate. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus lived a sinless life and Jesus was just as human as we are. So for us to suggest it's impossible, um, to, to, to you know, to, to even consider not sinning. Well, then there's a problem because what about Jesus? And what do we know about what we have inside of us because of the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, 
in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That, I mean, that is so powerful to understand that the same power, that mighty power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is working in us. It's the mighty strength within us. Because remember now, we are spiritual beings. Sinfulness, it's the work of the flesh. I don't want to get ahead of myself though. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is God who works in you. If God is working in you, if the strength of the spirit is in you, how is it possible to continue to be living in sin? It doesn't make any sense. And so when I uh, um, hear ministers say this, you know, how many know we're all sinners? I was a sinner. I was a sinner in need of a savior. I was living in sin. I was dead to my sin. That was before. But when I came to Christ, I, I became a new creation. The spirit of God is now manifest in me. Christ lives in me. That's what he said. The Bible is clear about that. So now you're not the same as you were before. You're not the same creature that you were before. You're not the same person that you were before. You now, Christ and, and God, Christ, the Holy Spirit is now manifest in you because you're obedient to the word of God and you're strengthened by the spirit to be obedient because on our own strength, we couldn't be. Just consider what the law is. The law makes men aware of their sins and it's impossible to, to keep the law just on your own in your own human strength. Which is why God understood that thou, now there is a need for a savior. There is a need for someone who takes our place and carries our sins that we could not possibly carry on our own. And what a great and precious thing that is. What a great and precious gift is the salvation of Jesus Christ. Because we couldn't possibly bear the weight of sin on our own. We needed someone. Someone who was perfect without sin to carry all the sin of the world on his back. That's the, that's the amazing gift of Christ. You know, Shiva mentioned the age of grace. We're in the age of grace in that the, the, the judgment of God is not being poured out because he's give, the Bible says giving men more time to be saved. So this is an age of grace, but what people have done, what Christians have done 
is they thank you, Sheba, for saying the exact line. They have taken grace and allowed it to become an excuse or a license to sin. It will be stuff. There will be a time. Um, a license to sin. That it's like now, well, you know, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. So it's like they under, see, this is the funny thing. They understand that the weight of the law would crush you, that you couldn't possibly uphold it. You know, that's why there was constantly the need for sacrifices. But Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice for all sin. But we understand what does the Bible say? What was that? Uh, let me put up that tweet again. If you're a Christian, you may sin, but it's impossible to continue living in sin because if you're born of God, 1 John 5, 18, you do not keep on sinning. You, it, anyways, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, because um, this is what trips up a lot of people. Um, and I'm going to explain to you what this scripture means. And like I said, you know, unfortunately, we have this, this extreme grace that, that has come. Well, you know, the God's grace, it just covers everything. God's grace does cover everything. But it's, it almost makes me wonder, what's the point of the entire New Testament if once you get saved, you don't have to do anything anymore. Uh, you could just live however you want. All the instruction of how to live, of how to conduct yourself, of how to be obedient, of how to, to, to be submitted to the Spirit, all of that is there because there's a recognition and an understanding that once you come to Christ, now there is a life that is to be lived. You don't get saved and then immediately go up to heaven. I mean, unless you're on your deathbed, but otherwise you get saved and now you have a life to live. But this is what trips people up. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Or every sin. That's another, um, the original language, every sin. Verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Now, that's what trips a lot of people up on this subject. Why they say, well, you know, you can't say you're, you're, you're without sin because the Bible says that that makes you a liar. You know what's funny, and I say this all the time, you know, I, I taught a class um, in, in GNU a couple of years ago. The Bible was not originally written with chapter breaks and verse breaks. They were added in later to just to help us, you know, if you want to reference a specific verse or just to kind of break up the text, because it's like, if it's just one super long chunk, it's not easy to read. But unfortunately, the chapter breaks often come in, in a bad place. And I'm like, why did they put the chapter break there? And this is one of those examples. Because if you finish to read John chapter 1, you think, well, I can never say 
I, I, I don't have any sin because then that makes me a liar. But John's not finished his thought. He's barely, it's not even barely finished our, his sentence. It's, it's the same thought. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because the people who say, you can't say that you're with, without sin, uh, um, or you're going to call yourself a liar. John, John said that in 1 John. Okay, keep reading. Then he says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Hmm. Let me explain something. The cleansing from sin is the purpose of the gospel. And the confession of sin is the demand of the gospel. Let me say that again. Cleansing from sin is the purpose of the gospel. And confession of sin is the demand of the gospel. What does that mean? It means that the purpose of, of, of why Christ came, it is to cleanse us of our sins. His blood, that's what it says. The blood of Jesus, his son, in verse 7, purifies us or cleanses us from all sin. I'm, I'm, I'm in 1 John chapter 2, which is a continuation of 1 John chapter 1, literally. It literally is. Um, so the purpose of, of Christ dying, therefore, is to cleanse us from sin. You just said poor connection. I don't know what's going on. Is it raining? It's not raining. Sheba, should I make... Um, should I make t-shirts? I, I, I know, I, I thought about that. So the, the purpose of sin, sorry, the purpose of sin, that the purpose of the gospel is a cleansing from sin, the need uh, for a sacrifice for sin. That The Bible says that Christ became a curse for us so that we're no longer under the curse. Okay? Yeah, there might be a bit of a poor, I'm glad most of you are good, but there's, there's definitely a bit of a poor connection here. Um, and then the confession of sin is the demand of the gospel. So the gospel demands, therefore, that there's a confession of sin. There were people, listen, again, again, who's John writing to? John's writing to, to the churches in the province of Asia, okay? And, and he's writing to people who basically, um, you know what's interesting? He starts his letter here. Um, am I cutting off for real? I'm not sure why. I think it's okay now. Um, he starts off his letter by saying, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. So that he's starting his, his letter by saying, This is the word of life. This is the word of life. Okay? And so he's basically giving them an instruction. He's giving them an instruction of what they are to do. <laughs> and so you have to understand what's happening here. There are people who basically feel like, um, thanks, Jew. Jew gives a good advice. If you close the live and then come back on, it'll be good. Um, so he's basically saying that there, there are people who unfortunately, 
were under the impression that they did not need a cleansing for sin because they had no sin because they were people who thought, well, you know, I, I, I obey the law. I'm a good person. I don't require cleansing from sin. And so there were people who, and, and I feel like there's probably still people like that today who are basically saying of themselves, I don't need to confess anything. I'm a good person. I didn't do anything wrong, but no, John is reminding them. This is what you know. He says in, in, in chapter 2, verse 7, I'm writing you not a new command, but an old one. They already knew this. They, they should have understood. When you come to Christ, there is a confession that is necessary. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. But there were people who were saying, I don't need to confess. I don't need to. I'm not, I don't have any sin. I'm a good person. I didn't do anything wrong. No. That's basically saying, I don't need a savior to claim that we don't have sin and don't uh, have a need for confession is that we don't need a savior, but that's not true. We have all sinned. What does Romans three say for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is a necessity. It is a necessity for, for people to understand that there is a confession of sin needed. When you were in your old life, you were dead in your trespasses. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. By what metric are you good? Jesus, you know, it, 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 the Bible says no one's good except the Father in heaven. By what metric do you think you're good? By what metric do you think that it's not necessary for when you come to Christ and start your new life in Christ that you don't have to confess? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This scripture is not suggesting that if we're a Christian, we're bound to sin. It is saying that you cannot come to Christ and say, I don't need to confess. And there are people like that. There are people like that. There are people who feel, well, Jill, I'm basically saying, um, these were, these were, he's speaking to believers here, but there were believers who felt that there was no requirement for a confession of sin. And it goes further than that. That if they did sin, there's no need for confession because, well, you know, God's grace. And it isn't that what we hear today. God's grace covers them all, um, our past, present, and future sin, right? So they're basically saying there's no need for the confession of sin. But John is, is rebuking them and saying, no, it makes you out to be a liar and it makes God out to be a liar. So we have to understand that there is a need for confession of sin. And that no one can come to Christ and say, well, I'm not a sinner. Because then you're basically saying, I don't need Christ. I don't need a savior. You can't, you cannot say, oh, I don't need to confess. Yes, you need to confess. Um, let me, let me read that, that scripture in Romans three. Where's Romans three. Romans three, verse 22. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. No one can approach God and say that they have not sinned. There, there is, it is necessary. 
in order to be saved for a confession. And we are justified freely, verse 24, by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ Jesus. So if we did not, if we do not sin, if we walk in the light, so listen, um, let me put it this way. John is saying, let me go back to first John. If we do sin while we walk in the light, we can have hope that we can confess our sin and be saved. Right? Let me, let me keep reading um, in, in verse 2. Sorry, chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, isn't that, isn't that funny how he says that? If anybody does sin. So I'm telling you this so that you don't sin. But if you should so happen to sin, we have the one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to, we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So again, like I was trying to explain before, if you are a Christian, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're obedient to the word, but you're not doing what he commands, or you're saying, well, I, I don't have a need for confession. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good by my own merits. You're, that, you, you become a liar. We're not good by our own merits. We're justified through faith in Christ Jesus from the atoning sacrifice of his blood. That's how we're justified. We're not justified by works. We're justified by faith. So to be saved, one must continue to keep his commandments and an absolute deception is the one who believes they can live in sin and say that the blood of Christ covers their ungodliness. And that's what you hear a lot of today. How do you know, how, how many do you know God covers our, our past, present and future sin so that they don't confess anything, they don't repent of anything because they say, when Christ died, it covered all the sin and now there's no longer need for confession. Sorry, but John disagrees. He says, uh, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. If anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So how do we come to the Father? We come to the Father through Christ. Let's keep reading in 1 John. Go, let's go on to chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Dear friends, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. 
but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin no one listen i don't know what the the the, the grace people would have to say about this scripture i, I don't even know if they've read this scripture <laughs> no one who lives in him keeps on sinning no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him verse 7 dear children do not let anyone lead you astray he who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous he who does what is sinful is of the devil woof that's harsh but that's bible first <laughs> john chapter 3 he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the devil's work there is a work of the devil through sin that christ came to destroy how can we ever say i'm a sinner i sin every day we all sin every day how how can it be Christ came to destroy the work of the devil, which is sin and evil and sickness. It's just as bad to say that, that we, it's okay for us to be sick. It's just as bad. Verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him what does that mean i'm going to stop there and tell you what that means turn to first peter chapter one. First peter chapter one and verse 23 now let's go to verse 22 now that you have purified yourselves by obeying there's a lot of talk about purity and purifying yourselves isn't there but sin is not purity sin is impurity unrighteousness lawlessness now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers love one another deeply from the heart for you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of god what does that mean we are in union with the word of god this is the the seed of god that john is talking about then we go back to John, 1 John 3, 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. An incorruptible seed. An incorruptible seed. An imperishable seed. The world is corrupted by sin. God's word is incorruptible. That's what you received when you were born again. So when you're in union with the word of God, somebody who is consecrated to obey and refuses to disobey cannot sin because God's seed abides in us. You know what it's like? I know a lot of people who are doing like um, various um I don't want to say diets because I'm not sure if it's a diet, but it's like a, a meal, uh, um, how they eat, okay? And there's, there's some people who like, they don't have any sugar. 
Uh, some people might not have any carbs. Um, some people might only be eating meat, okay? They are so committed to these diets and they believe in it so strongly that it doesn't matter what, how many pieces of cake you put in front of, of their, their nose. They don't eat it because they're so committed. They're like, they refuse to eat anything that goes against this, this diet or meal plan that they've decided to do. doesn't mean they're not tempted. It's not easy. If you're eating no sugar and it's somebody's birthday and everybody's having a piece of cake and you can't have a piece of cake because you're doing no sugar, it's not easy. There's a temptation there. There is a, it's normal to be tempted. There's a temptation there. Temptation is not sin. Acting on the temptation is sin. Let me say that again. Temptation is not sin. Acting on temptation is sin. Okay? So it, it, you smell the cake. Um, so sometimes, um, that's true. Pastor Jess says they care about the result. They believe in what these diets are going to do to help their body. And so therefore they refuse to cave in. They refuse to give in. So, you know, they put the cake and sometimes they'll, you ever see those videos where someone's like eating a carrot? So they smell like something like fried chicken. They'll like smell, smell the fried chicken and then eat the carrot. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but they're so committed and they so believe in it and they so care about it that they refuse to give in. This is the same thing. It is a refusal to sin. You are so, you, the, the, the word of God so abides in you that you refuse to transgress the commandments of God. It's a refusal to sin. I can't do this because I know how bad it is, because I know how it breaks the heart of God, because I know how it'll destroy me. It is an outright refusal. I cannot do it. I will not do it. It is a refusal, an absolute refusal. That is a fact. Birthday cake have, have no calories. It's a scientific fact. You cannot, it's, you won't do it. It's a refusal to do it. But I want to tell you something. There, there's, I want to read you three lies about sin. And I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. Based on 1 John chapter 3. This is the first lie. So this is a lie that people tell. Um, a born again Christian cannot sin. That's a lie. A born again Christian can sin. It is possible for a born again Christian to sin because like we read in first John, um, chapter one, let me read it again. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So it is possible. Yes. A born again Christian can sin. So that's the first lie. Number two, this is the second lie. God automatically forgives the sins of a born again Christian without confession. That's a lie. Confession is required for the forgiveness of sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. So don't fall for that lie either. You can't, because this is, this is the grace message. And this actually the third lie is also part of the grace message. Number three, that all sins past, present, and future are already forgiven. Okay, remember, remember what I read in 1 John chapter 1. It says, he puris, pur, purifies us from all sin, but the original word is from every sin. 
Okay, so what that is saying is if there is a sin committed and you confess that sin, then forgiveness is available to you. No questions asked. If you confess out of a sincere heart, you are forgiven. Why? Because Christ died for every sin and every sinner. So those are the lies that a lot of people believe, specifically the second two. You know, that confession is not required and all of our sins are already forgiven. That's not how it works. Again, I don't, I don't really understand that, that mindset. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, you know, my aunt talked about how moving away from God and, and, and allowing sin in. And that's what I want to end with today. Because if someone grows cold in their love for God, they no longer pray. Um, they keep their spiritual life. They, they don't keep their spiritual life strong. They become vulnerable to sin. You're opening the door for sin in your life. So what do we need to do then? Because th remember, when, when people are on a diet, so, I mean, I suppose there can be a spiritual connection to it, but we have spiritual help. I feel like it's kind of like with fasting, you know, fasting, we're crucifying our flesh. We're committing to not eating, right? That's what you do when you fast. You're committed to not eating, but there's also um, a, a spiritual aspect attached to that. It's a strength that you have. So you're not trying to on your own. How many of ever people, how many have, have ever like tried to fast consistently, like just to fast? It's not very easy. You have to really be committed to it. But when you fast for the purpose, a spiritual purpose, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's easier because there's a spirit, you, you've, you've crucified your flesh and now your spirit is heightened and like your spirit has taken over. Turn to Galatians chapter five. I also do intermittent fasting stuff. I feel like that's like the best thing. Um, Galatians chapter five, verse 24. Listen to this. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. There, our flesh must be cru crucified. That's why the Bible says we die to ourselves. We die to the flesh every day. Because there is a crucifying of the flesh that is necessary in order to not sin. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, you keep in step with the Spirit. So if someone is Spirit-filled, led by the Spirit, remember what, what, what we, we talked about off the top, that now the, the, the manifestation of Christ is in us when we obey the Word. There's a spiritual component here. It's not you on your natural strength. Because you on your nat natural strength probably going to eat that piece of cake. And, you know, you on your natural strength, you know, how many cookies did you have? Well, I ate the entire package, you know. But we're not doing this on our natural strength. We're doing this because our flesh is crucified and we're submitted and led by the Spirit. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans talks a, a whole lot about this, this theory, uh, theory, it's not theory, about this, this teaching regarding grace and, and, and the flesh and the spirit and the sinful nature and all that. So I'm going to read some of that to you before we close. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? 
Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? Hmm. If you died to sin, hey Jamin, welcome. How can you live in it any longer? How can a preacher get up on a pulpit speaking to a church of believers and say, how many of you know we're all sinners? How many of you know we all sin every day? What are you doing that you're sinning every day? I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And I know what he's trying to say. I know what they're trying to say is they don't want people to feel bad or to feel condemned. But there is a way to live free from sin because we have become, we are dead to sin. Verse 5, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. The original language says rendered powerless. Well, I, don't, I don't understand this. Oh, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't help sinning. You know, sin has just got a hold on me. How? 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 If you're submitted to the spirit, if we're raised with Christ, sin is now rendered powerless in our lives. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Sin doesn't get to control you. It's not in control. Sin, your flesh is not in control, but you have to make the decision. Am I going to crucify my flesh? Or like my aunt brought up earlier, or am I going to just, you know, not care, not pray? Am I going to open the door to sin? Because you open that door to sin, whether, you know, whether you've been saved 20 years or not, you open that door. And trust me, I know from experience, you open that door and that's it. So you do, you do have to make decisions. You do have to, to, there is a responsibility that you have. Christ already laid it all out for you. All we have to do is accept it and receive it and live it out. He put the spirit inside of us. Think about that. It's so powerful to me. The, the sinful body is rendered powerless that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Well, Jamin, you're not wrong. Verse 9. For we know, uh, verse 8, sorry. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Again, it's all about if we're living lives that we want to please God, we're committed. We're like, I do not want to do anything that trespasses against God. You know, sometimes you, 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 you got upset, you had an outburst of anger. Okay, we, we confess and ask for forgiveness for that. But a, a born-again Christian who is filled with the Spirit, who can say, I sin every day. I don't, I don't know how. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I cannot read this, this word, this incorruptible word, and possibly say that. 
Again, it also takes us doing something. We, we, if, we, if we grow cold in, in our love for God, if we grow cold in our faith, if our prayer life tails off, if we get into to wrong relationships with people, well, then, hey, all bets are off. But if you're living submitted to the Spirit and dead in your sin, and de- sorry, uh, dead to sin, how are you sinning every day? In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. I told you what an amazing and wonderful gift of Christ dying for our sins. How can we we allow ourselves, our bodies that are filled with the Spirit, that have been raised to life with Christ, to be an instrument of sin and wickedness? They don't coexist. They don't. What does light have in common with darkness? Light cannot exist with darkness. So if you've still got sin going on there, then there's some work that you need to do. And again, confess and God will forgive you. Like I read earlier off the top, we can't be people who say like, oh, I, don't, I, I never sin. I don't have any sin. Uh, I'm a, I don't need to confess. I, I'm, uh, you know. No. We confess. Coming, coming to Christ requires confession. Fourteen, for sin shall not be your master. For you are not under law, but under grace. And here is where, again, the grace people get all into, um, you know, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. Again, there's, read the next verse. Please don't stop on one verse. There's nothing worse you can do than stopping without allowing the writer to continue their thought. What then? Shall we sin because we're under the law, but not under the law, but but under grace? By no means. In other words, no way. So yes, we're very thankful for the grace of God. We're very thankful for the mercy of God. But don't, we cannot take that for granted. Romans 8, verse 7, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, listen guys, this is you. If you're saved, this is for you. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. Verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. There's no debate. None. The sinful nature is hostile to God. So if you're a born-again Christian and you're sinning every day, there is a problem. 
You got to get that under control. You got to get that sinful nature under control and under submission. And again, we're not doing it on our own strength. We have the spirit operating on the inside of us. And like I read in the other scripture, there's a union with the word of God. This incorruptible seed that's on the inside of us when we're born again. And it's like you, you don't want to sin. You want to please God when you love someone. That's why when someone's love for God grows cold, sin enters in. Because now there's not that same love anymore. When you love God, you want to please him. You don't, you don't want to disappoint him. You don't want to let him down. And you're guided by him. Does that make, does anyone have any questions? Because I, 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 I hope that it, it was clear um, about this subject. Because to me, again, to me it's simple. There's no debate. Um, but if anyone has any questions, please. I want to make sure that it's, it's very clear. And that you understand um, what's happening here. Because we, we have been made alive now with Christ. We were once dead. Are we all sinners? No, we used to be. We were once sinners. We were once dead in our sins. We needed a savior. You know, like I said, that scripture in 1 John that trips people up. The people are saying they have no sin. It's people who are saying that, well, you know, I, I don't need to confess when I come to Christ because I'm, I'm good. I'm good on my own. But we know that's not true. No one is good. No one is good on their own. We have been justified through Christ. Not on our works, not on what we've done, not on us trying to be a good girl or boy. Justified by Christ. Confess. Well, Jamin, I, I feel like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Because Jamin asks, do you believe that it's willful ignorance to say that or a lack of revelation? For me personally, a lot of um, a lot of things, a lot of doctrines that I've realized I was wrong about, there was a lack of revelation there. And then once I got that revelation, I realized, oh man, I got that wrong. I was in error, and so I had to correct myself. Now, it let's just say, for sake of argument, that that I, you're somebody who before this broadcast believe that you know yeah we sin every day and 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 god's grace you know covers our future sins so we don't need to confess let's say you believe that and then you just sat for an hour and you listen to scripture after scripture after scripture um pina i i don't know off the top of my head if someone could could look that up um scripture after scripture after scripture um basically refuting that if you still refuse to believe it, then that's probably more of a case of willful, willful, eh, willful ignorance. That if you sit under um, the teaching of the word and you sit under all of this stuff and you still are like, no, I'm a sinner. I sin all the time. Then that's probably a bit of a willful ignorance or maybe even, Jamin, what I suspect more than anything else, people like sinning. People don't, don't want to not sin whatever they're doing they like doing it uh and not only that but they don't want to um necessarily be submitted to the spirit because when you're submitted to the spirit it, it's like your god's desires are deposited in you 
You know, when the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart, it's because when you're delighted in the Lord, the desires of your heart change to his desires. So therefore it's like your desires, his desires become your desires. So I think sometimes there are people who just, nobody likes to submit. Nobody likes to submit, whether it be like women submitting to their husband, people submitting to their pastor. Oh, don't get me started on that. No, I'm not going to open that can of worms. You know, I, I see people, okay, anyways. Mark 10, 18. Let's have a look. Mark 10, 18. You know, people just don't like submitting to anything because they want to be in control of everything. It's, I think it's a human nature thing. But again, we are dead to that nature. That's a carnal nature. We're no longer alive to that. We're dead to that. So like, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they're really saved, to be honest. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's hard to be saved and, and feel that way. Um, uh, thank you, uh, um, Lynn. Pina, if you're listening... Mark 10, 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Beautiful. Thank you for, thank you, Lynn, and, and anybody else who would have looked that up. You are the best. Um, well, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's something uh, to consider for another time because probably will, I probably will consider it for another time because I, I see a lot of that, you know, there's no, there's no pastor that we have to listen to. The, you know, there's, no one should be in charge. We're all in charge. I literally hear Christians saying that. Nobody wants to submit. Nobody likes to. No, nobody. It's always like me, me, me. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a. Again, it's a carnal thing. I've spoken about submission in the past, but maybe it'd be good to do that again and expand on it. Um, but anyways. If you're watching me tonight, we talked a lot about sin and the need for confession. Well, you're going to have an opportunity tonight to do just that. If, you, if you've never been saved before or, or you were once saved and you've since fallen away, like, you, like, like we talked about earlier, that you let, um, you let the love of God grow cold and you, and you moved away from him and you walked away from him and you want to come back. Now's your chance to come back. Now's your chance to come back. He absolutely did, Sheba. He absolutely did. Um, now's your chance. So please pray this prayer with me. Come into the family of God. Don't go to hell. Hell is not made for you. you if you become a child of God, your eternity is secured in heaven. So pray this prayer so that that could be the case for you. Repeat it after me. Say, Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please message this account. We want to we get to know you. We're going to give you a Bible get you started on, on the Christian journey and the Christian life because it's a journey. But thankfully, once you come into to relationship with Christ, his spirit comes alive, the helper, he promised the, 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 our, our, the spirit would be our helper and our advocate. And you're, you're not doing it on your own. You have a supernatural strength. So if you think your diet is difficult, <laughs> oh man, 
I love all of you who are on diets. It's okay. I'm not judging. Amen. Um, 